The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straub. It is Thursday, August 4th, and today we're going to be looking at some recent headlines and adjusting our rankings accordingly to reflect this news, some potentially big developments out of Denver and elsewhere, and we will cover all of that coming up. To do this, I'm joined by Pat Crane, Kyle Dvorak, and guys, speaking of rankings, I want to start with an actual real, this is a real question here, okay? I'm, I'm curious, legitimately, when you guys draft, and you both draft a lot, do you have an actual physical page of your rankings in front of you or have you drafted so much that it's just in your brain at this point and you just click around? Not only do I not have rankings when I am drafting, you know, I'll, I'll stream with uh, former NBC sports edge uh, drafter, John oh. Daigle, for example. Okay. And uh, he'll have rankings preloaded into the draft applet. It completely throws me off. I, I'm a mess. I need the ADP. Like <laughs> yeah, my problem okay. is never not knowing who to draft. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> making sure I'm getting good prices. So show me the prices. Okay. What about yeah. If anything, yeah, it kind of works in the other way. Where my rankings are on on the site, my best ball rankings are on the site uh, for each position, and I will draft and be like, I know, I don't think this is what my rankings say. Mm-hmm. This is really the test. Is how I make my rankings. It's just drafting, and then I just write down like, this is about what I did. Uh, I drafted this player before this player. This player is still on the board. I could have taken him. I didn't. Right. So as I'm drafting, if I kind of consciously know, like you know, I, I look at my best ball tiers every now and then to make sure I'm not missing news. But then I'll go and do a draft and be like, I didn't do what my tiers said I did. I need to go back and change that. Cause that's really how you put, you know, that's how you put it all together is do you actually draft like this? So that if anything works almost in the opposite direction for me. Sounds like both of you guys have a similar method, but then you were just saying Daigle will load his own ranking. So, so not what you guys do isn't what every industry expert does. It doesn't sound like, I guess. Not. No, I mean, some, maybe I, I actually don't know like how people do that. Like, I guess you then memorize the ADP, but it must work somehow. But I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of know who I'm targeting. Yeah. And then I'll make, sometimes I'll make efforts. Like to Kyle's point about going back to the rankings, I'll also go back to my exposures and be like, I have these guys very, very similar, not just to my rankings, but that's how I really feel. Mm -hmm. But I'm always taking this guy. It looks like, so let me make sure that I'm splitting those ties towards the other guy going forward. Because when I draft, I have the physical spreadsheet up of my rankings on one side of the monitor and then the draft window over on the other side. So, like, I have the ADP and my own thing as a guideline. You know what I mean? 
that's fine. As long as you can see ADP, I think that's what's important. Especially like I, I think almost in any scenario, it's like like Pat said, like I think maybe the uh but even the casual player, this is probably true too as well. Like I know who I want in, in a rough roundabout sense. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how other people feel. That's right. literally what ADP is. It's the <laughs> average of how people feel about these right. players. And my you know, my strategy is trying to get this team of the most of the players I want. I need to know what the what my opponents on average are doing for that. Yeah. I know what I know. I know my rankings. They're in my brain. I, they're my <laughs> rankings for a reason. Well, I, I'll also some of what I said earlier. I think applies more to these best ball drafts. Where you're kind of firing off, and it's like, I'll take T Higgins this time. You know, right? I, right. You know, it's like because I know I'm going to come back and I'm going to get another wide receiver I like in that range in a different draft. But when you get into the higher stakes drafts, the leagues you care more about or whatever, uh, at that point especially if it's slow, you know, I'll be going, I'll, I'll check my rankings. I'll check projections. I'll yeah. check other rankings. I trust. And those kind of high leverage decisions. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, it's more than just, just my gut that. Day. Yeah. Yeah. In a slow draft, you can really fret over those for a while. That That's really torture yourself for a good long while making one of those picks. All right. Let's get into some of this recent news and whether we will or will not adjust the rankings as a result of it. Let's start in Denver with Javante Williams. According to Cecil Lammy of DenverFan.com, Williams has worked as the Broncos lead back for six of the seven days of training camp. We have a blurb up about this on NBC Sports Edge, the Roto World Player News page right now. Now, I, w- I want to say we don't want to overreact here, uh, or do we want to overreact here, Kyle? Where are you currently on Javante Williams and this uh, first team news? Yeah, I would say. I mean, he's going to play with the first team, I'd imagine. Uh, like, they didn't bring Melvin Gordon back for a lot of money. And we saw last year that Gordon is good. Like, I think he is actually perfectly competent, even above average running back in basically all phases of the game. Javante Williams is beyond elite. So I do think it will be very obvious that Javante Williams is a starter. But I think in our headline, if not in, in Cecil Lammy, who is optimistic about Javante Williams, understandably so. I say it myself. He is very good. One of the best tackle breakers in the NFL. Uh, you know, he's projecting, you know, a 80-20, 70-30 split. Mm-hmm. But then you look at, I believe it was Benjamin Albright, who's actually charting the reps they took, in, you know, I assume with the first team. Uh, and it was still like 55-45 type of stuff, which is not too distant from what we saw last year. And I think they can push the edges of Javante Williams 56-57. Maybe it's a 60-40 split. Mm-hmm. But it would be, I think, wish casting in a way to say we're going to get a workhorse season out of Javante. And maybe we don't need it, though. Maybe we do just need him to get up to 55 or something like that because he is so efficient. So, yeah, I would say this seems a bit overly optimistic, as much as I want it to be true. In Cecil Lamy's report, he was um... – saying that he went into it basically thinking the split would have been more in Williams' favor. And so, in a way, it's kind of like a somewhat positive projection, but, you know, he's sort of, like, tampering his own expectations, Mm -hmm. uh, tempering his own expectations. So, um, you know, definitely interesting as well to see Benjamin Albright have the report that they've been much, much closer. Uh, I've also – I believe it was him maybe that was saying he thinks Gordon is ahead as a receiver – I will note, Javante Williams was actually quite a bit more efficient in yards per outrun than Gordon has been recently, uh, last season. So I'm optimistic about Javante because I'm optimistic about his talent. And, you know, he's this 22-year-old second-round pick. Right. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 29. They took forever to re-sign him. I think pretty easily see maybe it being like a, a split, but Williams being decidedly the guy that we want comes a lot down to who they use at the goal line and who they use on passing downs. Basically, does Williams get enough of that passing down work? 
um, and doesn't get used enough at the goal line. And is this offense as good as we think it can be with Russell Wilson? So uh, when we had James Palmer on the show uh, earlier, he seemed pretty optimistic about Javante Williams. Kind of just a bet on talent situation to right. me. Falls into the third round in some drafts. I think he's a absolute steal there. Okay, so it doesn't sound like we're really adjusting, but you guys are already high on him in the first place. Fair to say? Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. fair to say. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I want to know, because like, yeah, I think if you just do a median projection, like Javante Williams is never going to look incredible. But that was something that was true of like Jonathan Taylor a few years ago. We're like, I just don't know how he's going to get to, you know, 350 carries. He's not going to get a ton of, of receiving work. Right. And then it just turns out he's great. He's just one of the league's best mm-hmm. running backs. And that is a, an outcome I think you get with Javante Williams that you don't get with many other backs really at all like there are only so many the best running backs in the league and with a player like joe mixon who will go before javante i think joe mixon in a median projection will look better he's going to at least i think if you're doing projections you're going to have him getting more of the pass catching work i don't know how much more because i do think joe mixon stands on a little bit of shaky ground with his pass catching work but you're going to have him getting probably more carries and maybe even more catches but there's not a, a ceiling outcome where he just turns out to be one of the most efficient players in the league Javante, he was that last year in terms of his ability to break tackles. He was good as a receiver as well. So I I think the ceiling outcome for a player like Javante is really unmatched by a lot of the players that go at like that two, three turn. So as much as I don't think he is the most exciting just in the way things play out half the time, you know, in that middle band of the distribution, his ceiling is is something that at that two, three turn, I can't I can't not chase. It's one of those things like Melvin Gordon was 10th in rush yards over expected per attempt last year per uh, NFL next gen. I like that metric. And to have a guy 10th, you know, it's like Ramondre Stevenson was ninth. We're pretty excited about him. Right. You know, so he's not just going to go away. He's a pretty talented right. player in his own right. But Williams was 13th and he was a rookie. So it's like one of those things where, yeah, like if last year it was a split, they were both very good. I think there's a chance that it's just a split again, but you do also have this very good prospect who the team committed to in a big way and then was outstanding as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really do anything except like kind of half-heartedly bring the, the mm-hmm. other guy back. So we're probably looking at a split. We're probably looking at a guy who's a little bit too expensive, ultimately, that, that we're going to say, I oh, was a little bit of a small miss to take him at the end of the second or the early third. But in the scenarios, to Kyle's point, where he's just that good, it's going to be a massive win. God, you just don't want to miss out on that scenario either as a fantasy manager. <laughs> it's so oh, well, I'm not missing out on it. Tell, having drafted a lot already, you know, we're, we're in the streets pretty much every day. I'm not missing out on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So over 1,200 yards with seven touchdowns, total yards, I should say, with seven touchdowns as a rookie for Javante Williams. And more to come from Denver a little later on this episode. But first, we go to Pittsburgh, where I think that we have the one contract-related piece of news that we are adjusting or not adjusting based on and that is that Deontay Johnson the Steelers have reportedly agreed to a two-year extension worth upwards of 36 million Karain, uh are we adjusting I feel like you're already high on this guy am I right there so I wonder if um yeah I wonder if this will kind of move his ADP up a little bit because he's been falling and I it might just be kind of an out of sight out of mind thing with Deontay Johnson because he's not been practicing he's, he's been holding in, in. The yeah, so, yes that's what we're calling it all the reports out of uh, Steelers camp, it's all been George Pickens because Chase Claypool hasn't really been out there and Deontay Johnson isn't out there. So, you know, of course it is. But now we're looking at Deontay Johnson, hopefully, you know, having some training camp moments of his own. I think that might 
kind of end his slide, at least in terms of ADP. Uh, I don't think we'll see him like falling into the fifth round uh, as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my concerns here are about the quarterback play. Mitch Trubisky has been like horrific from the sounds of it. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to only get hype out of these right. reports and it's like, right. Trubisky does not look good. <laughs> well, the good a, news is Kenny Pickett's running with the third team, so we're getting yeah. Mason Runa. No, seriously, like Pickett is not making any kind of attempt at the the starting job, and yeah. Mason okay. Rudolph's like the only guy who's looked okay. It seems like so it's that's a, a pretty major concern because there are upside scenarios where it's like, oh man, Ben Roethlisberger is actually holding this guy back. He, you know, this this uh-huh. aging quarterback with his arm about to fall off. Yeah, he's throwing to him all the time, short, but a better quarterback is throwing to him maybe a little less often, but down the field, he's making plays. I don't know. I'm starting to get worried about those types of upside scenarios. Cause I just, I've never really believed in Mr. Trubisky and mm-hmm. training camps not making me believe in him more. Yeah. I really want to buy into Deontay and I probably still will because the ability to get targets <clears throat> is just such a valuable skill. And I think this will really be our chance to figure out. And uh, it's unfortunate we have to bet on it. We'd love to have the results at the end. But this will be our chance to figure out, was Deontay Johnson being just an elite target getter, which he was last year. He was like top five, I believe, top 10 in targets per route run. He wasn't bad in yards per route run either. Was that simply a product of Ben Roethlisberger running the offense and running it in a way that was tailored to himself, obviously, and by himself, I mean his inability to throw it like eight yards down the field. That's what Deontay Johnson is great at. Gets open quickly, get him the ball quickly, and that's about it. How much of that will we see this year? I I tend to think the rate at which Deontay Johnson drew targets was more than just the quarterback. It probably helped, right? But it was more than just the the Uh quarterback linking up with a guy who suited his skill set. So I'm still getting Deontay Johnson, but I am starting to lose faith that we have a a really ceiling outcome from him in the sense of the, the way camp has gone. I feel like you're hoping for this team to kind of tread water relative to where they were last year. Whereas when they took a first round quarterback, I was hoping that they would actually have a chance to improve significantly. And now I'm, I'm sort of coming back to things might look like they did last year, which is good, but I'm not sure it really gives us this, this massive breakout from him, which I, I thought was possible with Kenny Pickett. Now I, I don't feel that confident. One thing about Pickett uh, from what I've read, the big issue with him is that he's like one read and run right now uh, like he's not getting to his second reads so let's just hope that reads deontay johnson you'd think it would be because deontay <laughs> right. is like you know is that like instantly he's open he can beat man uh like it doesn't take a lot for that guy to be open essentially and you would hope that instead of you know waiting and waiting for a deep clay pool target right if he's only going to one read it's that quick like sub 2.5 second throw type of stuff but i don't know maybe maybe it is maybe it isn't and that's even games- MC. Kenny Pickett. How, yeah, how many games do you think Trubisky gets? I still think that, you know, we see this stuff in camp all the time, uh, though it's, it you know, the more it goes on, the more concerning it is. But, like, Gardner Minshew was supposed to was supposed to beat out Trevor Lawrence for that week one start, right? And this is not the same scenario, <laughs> can't right? can't Urban Meyer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not the same scenario, happen. but it is, uh, I mean, like, we didn't even almost get Justin Herbert because of Tyrod Taylor. Oh, so, I think that the history of first-round yeah. quarterbacks makes me confident that Four, I would set the over under at four and a half, and I think I'd lean more towards four for Trubisky. But I used to be more on one or two, and I've bumped that up to three to four. Week nine bye, I believe, for the Steelers for whatever. I hope it's not that long. That would feel a bit long for my liking. Yeah. All of this, by the way. So, I mean, I I hear you guys talking, and it sounds like you, you know, you may not move Deontay Johnson up or down much either way. Maybe some slight concern, but this sounds absolutely horrific for every other receiver uh in pittsburgh every other wide receiver anyways this whole landscape sounds real bad 
I think it is bad. I think it's bad partly because Pickens seems like he's good. Uh-huh. Where like it'd be it'd be great if Pickens wasn't good for the purposes of, of condensing these targets. Uh-huh. Right? We're not going to be able to support three weapons in this offense. Just no way. Yeah. So and we've got Farmouth who we would like, and we've got right. Najee Harris. Najee gets some targets too. Yeah, exactly. So, we would love for this to condense and you know, Pickens is having a great camp and he was pretty good prospects. Uh, this, you know, tearing his ACL was, was um, potentially held him back from looking like a great prospect. So not, not a shock that he's having a good camp, but uh, yeah, it just makes the whole thing so much more difficult to project. I guess to some extent I would say like, I might be more inclined to draft Deontay Johnson like today. Uh, Cause I think the discount might go away. So in a, like in a small sense, I've, sort of moving him up like a, a tick. But, you know, if this moves his ADP up to like the, you know, the early fourth again or something, I, I think I'm looking elsewhere probably. Okay. So Deontay Johnson, by the way, you know, as hideous as that whole Steelers passing game was, still managed 107 catches, 1,161 yards, and eight touchdowns last year, uh, just to put some numbers on what we're talking about. Now let's go to Tennessee where Peter King of NBC Sports says Robert Woods looks like he is quote, totally back to normal. And King says he believes Woods, quote, has a great chance to be an impact receiver early on. Kyle, uh, was Robert Woods even on your radar, really, as a guy you're you're drafting at any point? And if not, if so, are you adjusting? Yeah, like back to normal for Robert Woods is perfectly capable number two. Like, it's not like we're getting, when you say back to normal for Julio Jones, I start getting excited. But, uh, you know, this is not a player we're typically getting excited about. And we've already gotten good training camp reports versus like the minicamp OTA reports on Traylon Burks, who if Traylon Burks is as good as his college, his numbers and his tapes, he, he looks great when he plays and it produces great, you know, market share numbers against SEC competition. If he's as good as that bill would suggest he is. I don't think someone like Robert Woods is a big inhibitor to his rookie production and the conditioning looks good. Finally, I think this was Vrabel who came out and said they're where they want there. He is where they want him to be now. So if we're getting fully, you know, uh, back in shape, Traylon Burks, I'm not really in on Robert Woods. If, if we thought again, you know, we're still can't get Traylon Burks through a single practice. And I'd say, yeah, there someone has to get targets. But now I feel comfortable. I'm back in on Traylon Burks. I, I was out very briefly. Okay. Uh, I, I would like that to be expunged from my record because I'm back in now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll expunge it, Adam. I, if Adam, producer Adam, can you expunge that? Uh, and everyone else, just anyone else. Don't let it happen again, Kyle. <laughs> I, I swear, this is the last time. I promise. I promise. I, he, good prospect. I like him. It's fun. I'm in. I promise. Don't don't cancel me, Pat. Karen, you uh, you you never left this bandwagon, right? I never. I know, even in the darkest left. times. I never left. I will say, I, there was a period where I was kind of like, I want to see how far this, how far he actually drops if I don't take him. Because when you're in drafts and a guy's falling. It's sometimes hard to know like how far he will fall mm-hmm. because it's like his oh ADP God, isn't reflective off. of what's going on right now. It's reflective of the past week or whatever. Right. So and he's six picks past ADP, but like who knows? Maybe he'd fall like eighteen picks past ADP or whatever. So um, yeah, I did. I did test it a little bit a couple times, but yeah, I loaded up. Robert Woods. Uh, you know, I, I think this probably should improve our outlook of of him to some extent. But I do agree with Kyle. It's tough. To want to draft Woods when you're mm-hmm. just loading up Burks, my my read is that maybe Burks will start to get too expensive, or at least expensive enough where it's like, you know, you maybe want to go to a different target that that you're not as heavily exposed to as I am to Traylon Burks. So I don't think we're there yet, but I I have started to see the opposite effect where I think I'm going to be able to take Burks and he goes, you know. 10 picks ahead of where I had him lined up. So 
now that we're starting to see the reaches back for Burks, maybe that's, you know, we're eventually going to see his ADP kind of move up. We probably will because all this conditioning stuff seems to be in the past now. Um, you know, lots of videos coming out of him doing all the drills. Everything seems to be going perfectly fine. Uh, so if you can get Woods kind of where he's going now and Burks is rising up without Woods following him, I think that's pretty interesting, actually, because early on we thought that Woods was not going to be really ready. And it sounds uh, throughout all of kind of mini camp training camp stuff that 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 he will. So um, while I agree with Kyle that he's probably more of a number two, Burks could still disappoint. Like he, like the conditioning thing's not the only way he he doesn't have a great rookie wide receiver, uh, rookie wide receiver season. Like we we see all the time that guys we like who don't struggle with conditioning <laughs> still struggle uh, with actually producing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Woods guy, but I think where he's priced definitely offers an arbitrage on Burks if Burks continues to climb. All right. We have many more names to hit on this episode. First, we're going to take a quick break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contest's are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in major league baseball on the pga tour and nascar circuit we also have a special contest on tuesdays and thursdays called battle of the bets where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash also the fantasy football expo presented by nbc sports edge is coming to canton ohio august 12th to 14th that is soon wow that's uh Seems to be next week. Join some of the top experts in the country, including our very own Pat Doherty, Pat Corain, Denny Carter, Lawrence Jackson, and Kyle Dvorak at the only true Fantasy Football Expo in the country. Tickets are available at thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Use promo code NBCPASS at checkout to save $20. Okay, continuing with some recent news, and we go to Chicago where Kevin Fishbane and Adam Johns of The Athletic report that David Montgomery is actually seeing reps on special teams. Corain? Do you even like Montgomery enough in fantasy to be uh, frightened by this news? And if so, how frightened are you? I mean, it's one of those things. Yes, of course. Like, I'm not drafting Montgomery. I think I literally may not have drafted him in, like, 80-plus teams in, in uh, Best Ball Mania. Like, I don't think I've drafted him once. Okay. So, yeah. I really have no right to speak on this. <laughs> stuff is already out. Put yourself but, in the mind of someone who would draft him. Uh, Pat Doherty, say. Yeah, I think... Pat, uh, maybe cool it a little bit because normally uh, workhorse running backs don't get special teams reps. Yeah. And it was like a really weird thing where they're like, funny thing, 
David like did his special teams reps and then he's like, I want to go take some reps with a scout team. I want to like see what's going on over there. Show those guys, you know, some stuff. And so he like went and took reps with the scout team. I think the point being like, Oh, this guy's kind of down for whatever. He's a great guy, but they like put his, <laughs> then they asked him like why he was taking special teams reps. He's like, for me, it was simple as like seeing my name on the depth chart and going over and doing what I was asked to do. So the, the whole thing was kind of spun is like, you know, he's kind of a good soldier for the bears or whatever, but, I don't know, man. Like that doesn't seem great. I know it's Yikes. like probably nothing to get all overly panicky about, but the whole the whole play with Montgomery is that he gets all the touches. He doesn't have long runs. He's not a great receiver. He's he's capable. He's certainly capable. But in the past, he has had a receiving back take a lot of that work away from him. They did draft this guy, Tristan Ebner, who is a pretty interesting explosion receiving back. Uh, they took in the sixth round, and they seem to like him okay. And then Khalil Herbert he really flashed some, some rushing ability last year and may end up being a better fit for their system, which is kind of more of the one cut and go stuff. And, you know, Montgomery's kind of more of a, of a dancer, kind of like a, you know, elusive guy, but he doesn't necessarily even pick up that many yards after contact, although he can make people miss. And again, not a ton of explosive plays from him. So, uh, the whole thing just kind of screams committee to me. If you're having him take special teams reps, also what were the reps? Because it doesn't. It didn't. Say I he wanted was to know this too. That's a really good question. <laughs> was he gunning punts? Was yeah. he returning kickoffs? Was yeah. he left guard on the PAT yes. unit? I had. I. I didn't. I don't know. It doesn't really matter for fantasy purposes. I was just genuinely curious. Yeah. What was the guy getting up to? It's an important football <laughs> question. It really is. Yeah, I mean, this team is going to be bad, and they seem to be like <clears throat> intentionally being bad. I think it is a situation in which the the team, the new regime comes in. Justin Fields is not the guy they drafted. He was a bit of a polarizing prospect. It doesn't seem like they like him because they're, you know, they're big additions at wide receiver, which they desperately needed knowing Allen Robinson was gone. Like he was never coming back. It didn't seem like it was a good relationship. Okay, that's fine. You can draft a, you know, draft somebody in the first or second round. The second round had great prospects. They were good free agents. What do they have? They have Nikhil Harry and like Byron Pringle. This is just unreal what they're doing to him okay well you spent your resources on the offensive line no no they didn't they're even looking at trading tevin jenkins who like i guess if he's going to be bad which wasn't good last year in like a few snaps he really didn't play much last year but camp reports are also not great for him so far he's getting like second he's been with the second team all offseason so maybe if he was going to be bad anyways it doesn't really matter if you trade him but they are actively giving away pieces that could maybe help justin fields and if justin fields goes down the whole offense goes down Right. I, if he's as bad as, as things could potentially get, you could have 100 percent of the snaps and 100 percent of the carries from a, a Dave Montgomery perspective. And it might not even pay off. And now we're not even yeah. getting that potential of like the, the workhorse back on the, the worst team in football. If that's off the table, I, I was I, I was with Pat. I wasn't drafting it before. Certainly not now. I just want to thank you for for uh, calling the, the Bears the worst team in football. I hear so much. About my Atlanta Falcons. That was really no, smart. no. Falcons are bottom five. They're a garbage team for sure. Don't get me wrong. But I, I'd take my money on Seattle and Chicago being worse. Uh, I shouldn't have even brought that up. I asked for that one. <laughs> yeah, you did ask for that I, one. I, I, I wanted to have a little punishment there. Okay. Now we are going to New York. According to the Athletics, Zach Rosenblatt, a guy by the name of Elijah Moore, quote, seems to have firmly established himself as the number one receiver on this team. This is notable considering that we were a little worried earlier this offseason, if I remember correctly, after the addition of number 10 overall pick Garrett Wilson, the continued presence of Corey Davis, that Moore could kind of become a little bit of a forgotten guy in this receiver rotation. So, Kyle, how, if at all, do you react 
and how do you adjust to this news? Well, this is one of my favorite pieces of off-season news because it's the kind of off-season news that confirms my priors because Elijah Moore yeah. is really good in any situation, really. He's a player who can play in the slot. They can even move him outside. He's not particularly big for an outside receiver, but I think the NFL is, is very clearly trending towards, you don't have to be Calvin Johnson to play on the outside. The only hang-up for me, uh, I guess, is the offense and the context of the offense that every single backup Elijah Moore did great with. And the backups all did better than the starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, was just god-awful. It's just terrible last year. And if he is as bad as he was last year, there's not really hope for me, you know, especially given the addition like Garrett Wilson, getting Corey Davis healthy, adding another good pass catching back and tight ends. It's sort of the passing game version of what we're talking about with David Montgomery. You can get every single snap, every carry as a running back on a bad team. And maybe you survive that, right? That's just so much work. And you can be an elite target hog like, you know, Terry McLaurin has been on some pretty disgusting Washington offenses. And you can still get there because that's what the level of dominance for targets does. I think we you have to be betting on improvement from the offense when you're taking Elijah Moore. Either that or you really didn't like Garrett Wilson coming out. And I, I can't imagine many people didn't like Garrett Wilson coming out. So when, you know, it's more of just a, a win condition scenario, right? When I take Elijah Moore, he's a, a receiver who I'm pretty confident that I should be at least taking the quarterback slightly above ADP because you need the quarterback to be better given the talent in the receiving core around Elijah Moore, who I love. Yeah, for me, this is kind of changed my plan on Elijah Moore a little bit because I have been a, a little bit nervous about him where he's been going in drafts. I really like him as a talent. Uh, I was very impressed with his rookie season. He was a great prospect. The whole thing about you know whether he can play on the outside I think was a major concern for him coming in and then he flashed that he can. But I think it's still a little bit of a concern because you know they then draft Garrett Wilson who's more I think kind of just obviously going to be playing on the outside. So then it's like okay well is it more and Wilson in two wide receiver sets or is it Davis? This type of stuff makes me think it is more, which is a really big deal. But I do feel like the we just can't have much go wrong here. It's a very uh, – the situation, because I don't really think Zach Wilson is going to take some massive leap forward, and he needs to take a, a significant leap, leap forward to just not be bad. Mm-hmm. Um we really do need targets to condense uh, and we need routes. We need full route shares for Elijah Moore uh, and, and Garrett Wilson, who I'm also drafting. But uh, in a, in a note about uh, Je- the Jeff Smith versus Denzel Mims battle, uh, uh, a classic battle, one that we've been monitoring I know. for decades. I'm yeah, a I, can't believe, I can't believe we haven't talked about that yet on this episode. <laughs> so, so Zach Rosenblatt uh, in the athletic, he wrote about uh in relation to this battle, the Jets are loaded at wide receiver with four players, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, and Braxton Berrios, locked into significant roles. That's the type of stuff that still makes me nervous. I'm like, I don't want to hear anything about Berrios. I want to hear that <laughs> yeah. Berrios hasn't seen a single rep with the ones. Like, Berrios, they're not running four wide receiver sets. This is kind of like a Shanahan-style uh, team here. Like, we don't want Berrios mixing in. because if I, That right. could mean, like, less than – is more coming off the field when that happens. So I'm just like maybe overly nervous about the situation because I don't really believe in the offense taking this massive leap. Mm -hmm. And so I do need Elijah Moore to emerge as an elite target earner who's running all the routes because he can crush even in kind of a a weak offense uh, if he's doing that. Otherwise, it could be a bit thin. So it's a start. A positive step. <laughs> you're not. You're not start. all in yet. You're not all exactly. in yet on the situation. But but it's a, a an incremental step. Okay. 
Let's head back to Denver, where we learned earlier this week that wide receiver Tim Patrick tore his ACL in Tuesday's practice. Now, Karain, uh, this guy had 85 targets, 700-something yards last year. How, if at all, do we adjust uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, or is it more of a K.J. Hamler adjusting situation? Do we adjust any of these guys at all, or and any more than others? So we had James Palmer on, and uh, he was talking Broncos, and he was, I, he was pretty definitive that Patrick was the number two in the offense. Patrick was the guy going to be out there in two wide receiver sets, not hmm. Jerry Judy. Hmm. So I think this is potentially a, a very big development for Jerry Judy's season. Uh, there is really no one else now who can challenge him uh, as the number two wide receiver. Hamler's coming back from a serious injury and kind of profiles more as like a wide receiver three slash mm-hmm. you know, deep threat specialist type. So this should unlock a lot more routes for Jerry Judy. I think it also removes some kind of downside scenarios for Cortland Sutton where they're rotating a lot to make sure they get Hamler on the field or they're playing a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, they have both Albert Cook. Cook Boonham and Greg Dulcich, but they also like this blocking tight end a lot. You know, so maybe they're running out of this blocking tight end. Well, they're doing. They might do power sets and stuff and run out of it. Those weren't going to be. Those weren't going to be targets, anyways. Those power. You can play action, Kyle. You can play action. (laughs) No, I know it matters. It matters a little bit. I don't want it to matter at all, and I understand it matters a little bit. Yeah, but you know, just less less talented players is going to mean more condensed targets. I think it probably helps Sutton on the fringes, but it could be a really big deal for Judy. And it's definitely a big deal for Hamler too. Cause there was a question of like, how does Hamler even get on the field? Mm-hmm. And now we know how Hamler gets on the field. They might really need him. Yeah. I mean, they had like seven or eight guys who could be like every down players on lesser teams. When you look at having four receivers, Hamler would be a good third receiver for a lot of mid tier teams. The top guys were all really good. Top three, two good running backs, at least two good tight ends, a random blocking tight end. I don't want to talk about like this, like, like that said, cutting away, unfortunately, like it, it happens cutting away a talented player, which Patrick was and the team valued him a lot. Right. That is really going to like lock in someone like Jerry Judy, who as Crane said, like, I was all in on Jerry Judy throughout. I never really wavered, but I did get a little bit nervous whenever there was pretty strong reporting that like he was going to be a heavily used third receiver, which is not what you want from a player going as high as he is. It's not how we're going to get this massive breakout season from him. If he's coming off the field, especially if they bring him off in the red zone, maybe to play some of those power looks in the red zone specifically, that seems like it is entirely off the table. I don't see really a scenario in which they're like, using two tight end as a base or even more than like 20 some odd percent when you have such a talented top duo of, uh, of receivers. So this makes me feel a lot better about Jerry Judy. doesn't, you know, I think like Pat said, it affects Cortland Sutton on the fringes, but Sutton was the player we were confident. They, they really weren't going to take him off the field. He does have that every down kind of profile. Now I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I'm going all in on Judy if I wasn't already. Very clear adjustment there. We're moving Judy. Up. Judy's moving up. Big, Judy's big adjustment. Up. Hamler's moving up. Yeah, Hamlet, where are you taking Hamlin? I think I, I took him at like, or I have him at like my, like a wide receiver five. Yeah, at least a wide receiver five. Yeah. I took him the other day. I think I took him the 15th. Um, I got him there but, recently too. Yeah. Yeah. That felt fine. I don't know. I probably have to move up to like the 12th before I really started to think about it. 
Yeah, and even then, like, I know there's, like, a strategy in, like, best ball tournaments where if someone rises so much, you're just going to be competing. If you're taking them after they rise, you're just competing against teams that are better versions of Hamler teams. But I I really think the difference between Hamler in the 19th or 18th round, like, the last pick in drafts where he was, you know, months ago or whatever, and jumping to the 14th or 15th, like, the difference between those two teams. Like, (laughs) after the 12th round, picks really start to blend together in their value. Like, it's a, a... steep curve right there the early picks the differences matter a lot they're in between you know pick 147 and 189 it sounds like a lot of picks i really don't think there's a difference so i'm still taking him even in you know tournament style and uh, he's a player who could very easily like go overlooked in home leagues because he was uh you know was pretty obviously gonna be kind of the odd man out now i don't see how he doesn't get his skill set which matches up with Russ utilized at least to some extent yeah maybe the 13th would be kind of where i'd start to go "Ah." This is a little price, but I, I totally agree. 14th, I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. All right, we have a couple more headlines slash training camp developments to hit. First, we're going to take one more quick break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Prep for your draft with the latest player rankings, projections, and more in the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Plus, it is powered by Roto World, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. Take advantage of our preseason special and get the draft guide for $5 when you use promo code DRAFTGUIDE at checkout on NBCSportsEdge.com slash DRAFTGUIDE. All right, fellas, now we will head to L.A. where there was a quote in The Athletic over the weekend uh, that Sean McVay said, quote, I look at it as we've got two starting backs in reference apparently to Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson. Kyle, will you or won't you adjust for this news? I'm leaning towards not adjusting because in the worst case scenario with those two backs, like last year, we saw they were like, yeah, it's just Cam Akers, all the work at the very end of the season that finally flipped in the Super Bowl. And maybe that's what he's referring to. But that was kind of what I was baking in anyway, a 20 or 30 percent snap share, most of it being on passing downs for Daryl Henderson. Like Mm -hmm. coaches can say things like this, but then even when Cam Akers just clearly, I mean, maybe there are, you know, mitigating factors, but it didn't really seem like he should have been back on the field yet based on his like gross inefficiency when he is a good back like i don't think that's representative of what he would be at full strength it's very clear that they shouldn't be giving him all the the between the tackles work and they did that anyway so those actions speak louder than his words to me Mm -hmm. but i was giving you know daryl henderson some credit for clearly being the guy they went to on passing downs in the super bowl they finally made that decision that like 
at least in that role, it's, it's a player that we want to bring in over Cam Akers. So this maybe solidifies that opinion that, yeah, we're not going to see every single snap from Cam Akers. And it might come, unfortunately, for Cam Akers drafters, which I am not one of, it might come from high value, which is receiving work, which he, he can uh-huh. do. But if they're going to give that to Henderson, it's off the table for him. So it qu- kind of more solidifies what I think we saw in literally one game. But it seems like his words at least tell us that that may be the move for the team going forward. I wouldn't say they're going to split the backfield 50-50, though. Two starting backs is a little bit puffy from McVay. Not only that, but this is a guy who has signaled, I think, that he wants a lead back. You know, they they moved actually away from Henderson to Sony Michelle uh, down the stretch last year. They've kind of had... They had Cam Akers at the end of his rookie year in a clear-cut workhorse role. They had Cam Akers coming off an, ace, an Achilles rupture mm-hmm. in a clear-cut workhorse role um, right when he got back. Yeah, <laughs> so five months or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think it's kind of total BS from McVay, <laughs> but I also think maybe it's like like if you're not if you weren't drafting Henderson, like maybe check in and, mm-hmm. and just like review the case for Henderson because Henderson is like my third highest owned running back. I'm drafting him a ton. So mm-hmm. um, while I think it's BS, I also think the case for uh, Henderson has and, and remains very, very strong. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of like maybe a wake-up call if you're not drafting. He's, got, he's going after like Damian Pierce and stuff. Uh, yeah. He's going after Alexander Madison. Like He's going. He's kind of the last of, of these handcuff-type backs, going well behind Isaiah Spiller. Um, I I think he's like, there's really no reason for there to be a big gap between him and Spiller in my mind. So he is behind a starter who we're not sure is ever going to regain the form that he flashed. I hope he does, but we don't know that. And we know that they have leaned on Daryl Henderson in the past, and Daryl Henderson's pretty good. He's way too cheap. So it does it does serve as a reminder of that. Yeah, I have, like, where would you take Henderson among the, like, just super contingent value guys? I would take Tony Pollard ahead of him. Everyone is taking Tony Pollard ahead of him. Uh-huh. And everyone's taking Tony Pollard, unfortunately. We, we need to spread some misinformation around Tony Pollard because every right. offseason, it's just okay. good news. Yeah. And that's because he's good. But He's it makes playing him... special teams, Kyle. He's, he's, uh, left he's, play, he's playing special teams, <laughs> yeah. everyone. How could you draft him? He's playing special teams. That's, that's I have misinformation. Mis- He's clearly the best of the like handcuffy types. Alexander Madison, I think, is almost a close second. He just gets so much work. And after that, I think it's pretty much you can make an argument for Daryl Henderson there. And he doesn't go in any way close to the other like really exciting backup types. I have Rashad White uh, number two probably of that list. Number and I two? Think, yeah, I would. I definitely think he has more contingent value than Madison. Um, I don't agree I, with this, sir. I mean, it's a new coaching staff with with Madison, and he's like, fine. He's not that great. He's just got all the work before. So I'm I'm worried, given that they drafted Ty Chandler, uh, and it's a new GM as well, that we might not see the same total workhorse role for Madison if Cook were to miss time. Um, and White is just a off the charts sufficient uh, pass catcher. I'd, I'd put White like number three or so. I, I think it's like him and and Henderson. I think you could maybe throw an argument for like Gainwell in there because Gainwell has some of that like really, you know, maybe a little undersized, but that really three down profile, like efficient guy type of stuff. But like, I, I think, love the game well, but I, I think that would be a committee. I think they'd like sign Jordan Howard or something. They'd, they'd bring Jordan Howard back. He's lurking. Yeah. He's lurking in the shadows. He's, He's coming from out. rafters. He's at their training facility, basically yeah. just wandering around. But I yeah, think Spiller I mean, probably has like more like is if everything goes right, like let's say Eckler misses time and Spiller is as there's as much of a gap between him and the backs they have like Roundtree and Kelly mm-hmm. as the Chargers coaches hope there is, then Spiller could be an absolute must have. But 
there's a couple things that have to go right beyond just Eckler missing time there. And we, I think Henderson is more of a, a known commodity in some bad ways, but also in some good ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like if in one draft I'm taking Spiller, but those guys to me should be like back to back, and there's a pretty big gap between them. So I, yeah, I think I think Henderson really like I I think you make a case for Henderson over Madison personally. Uh, so I, Corinne, you said that the McVay comments in terms of you know real impact you know were quote bs but it sounds to me like maybe maybe you're already this high on henderson anyways as a late round guy but it sounds to me like people who aren't need to be adjusting yeah so my thing is like i've been on henderson this whole time i'm like kind of alone here at the the henderson bandwagon and everyone's showing up and they're like yeah i'm here because that mcveigh quote i'm like pat like like this band when they were putting out albums in 2007 that album sucks dude yeah you gotta listen to the early stuff yeah Oh, got it. Okay, so you're trying to get everyone to leave, basically. That's why you're. I'm a Daryl Henderson hipster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Get out. Get out of here. I got it. I got it. All right. Uh, Final one on my list here. Uh, We're gonna head to Green Bay, where fourth round wide receiver Romeo Dobbs has made a lot of noise in training camp. Aaron Rodgers said in an interview, and I saw this via the Twitter account of Peter Bukowski, who covers the team, that quote: "Every single day, there's been at least one kind of wow play from him. Him being Dobbs." So, Karain, uh, what can you tell us about Dobbs and uh, his current outlook? Yeah, it's it's exciting because he's getting some reps, some meaningful reps, because Sammy Watkins has missed the last few days of camp, mm-hmm. and Christian Watson is out with uh, with this knee uh, knee surgery that he got. So. Dobbs has gotten a chance to step up and it seems like he's impressing. Those are pretty good quotes from Aaron Rodgers. He he uh, kind of invoked, you know, Jordy Nelson. Right. Adams. He's like, basically, some guys have done this here, but they're all the greats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the other so, you know, quote for sure. Yeah. Not holding back in in his praise. Um, Dobbs, there's also a um, a video going around of him, of him cooking. I believe they're starting cornerback. Uh, we didn't get... Uh, 40 time on Dobbs because uh, of an injury in the, in the pre-draft process. But I believe he, it was like some helmet chip thing in the senior bowl. He was, he was uh, measured running very, very quickly at the senior bowl. And he was a deep threat downfield threat in college um, and pretty productive, uh, an older prospect, uh, you know, not an early declare prospect, but decently productive, not off the charts production, but decent production where you're like, the types of players who come out later tend to be, you know, maybe a little bit more productive than Dobbs was, but at least in that range. So definitely someone that was worth paying attention to, even as a day three pick. And, you know, this does start to feel like a little bit of a drumbeat, a little bit of a positive news kind of stacking here for, for Dobbs within a depth chart. That's wide open, great quarterback play. They really need someone to step up. They need someone to step up in this exact downfield role with Marcus Volda Scantling gone. And everyone assumes that that would be Watson. I think even the Packers did. But maybe it ends up being the guy they took after Watson. You know, so uh, I wouldn't get too carried away. I think this puts him firmly on the radar for, you know, your your last couple rounds in best ball and stuff. I, I wouldn't go chasing him up into like, you know, if he's if it's like KJ Hamler or, or Dobbs, I'm going Hamler every time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it definitely puts him in play in the late rounds. Uh, and the reason I would kind of keep keep a cap on it is that, you know, even the guys that Rodgers was comparing him to, like Jordy Nelson and Adams and stuff, like yeah. those guys didn't do anything as rookies. So, you know, you do you do worry about maybe the learning curve here. And and Rodgers did note that he 
Dobbs is still making mental mistakes as you would expect for a rookie. Great. Good to, good to just comma. Also still making mental mistakes. Exactly. He's great. He's one of the best guys I've seen in camp, uh, but I don't like him. He makes mistakes all the time. No, I, uh, I just, that is something that like, you know, Rogers would totally be like, he's been great and we're going to maybe get him some punt return reps in the season. That's what we're thinking. In 2027, he's going to crush. Yeah. Right after Amari Amar Rogers breaks out, oh, we're going to get the Dobbs breakout. I do like Dobbs. I agree that like, there is still, I'm much less confident that he's the team's third receiver than I would be for someone like KJ Hamler. Cause there's KJ Hamler on that team. And then there's a big drop off where Dobbs, there's still a pretty clear, like four to five, player rotation where i think he's better than sammy watkins but you know he's a fourth round rookie from nevada it's not like he is some elite prospect right he was mm-hmm. on you know like you said he was productive but not super productive late declare not like the earliest you know freshman breakout small school he went to or anything so i like him and i am i'm still going to be kind of chasing him up draft boards as he keeps going but not not into that like 14th round range or 13th round range where like i him we're getting there he fits so well with like russell wilson's skill set he was good in college and at a bigger school penn state that it makes sense for hamler to really rocket up draft boards whereas dobbs this is a positive indicator but we do need to see more like he goes out and plays like only the first team reps in preseason or whatever they do then i'll start to feel more and more confident that he really has separated himself as like a top two to three receiver on the team but right now as much as it pains me i still have Alan's our leading team in targets. And then Randall Cobb is the number two receiver, which feels just, it doesn't feel good, but it is sort of uh, like Occam's razor. It is probably what's most likely to happen. There is also just this thing of like, we've seen kind of day three guys have these really strong camps, earn roles. And then it turns out they're Tajay Sharp, you know, like <laughs> it just doesn't go anywhere. And so there's part of me, maybe, maybe I need to think bigger and dream bigger here with Dops, but you know, I just think it's important to keep in mind the ADP with with uh, a day three rookie. Yeah. You just scared me off right there. That's all you had to say, <laughs> Karain. That did it. Guys, that's the end of my list. Uh, is there any work on the site on NBC Sports Edge that either of you want to mention before we get out of here? I've been working on a best ball article uh, for the last, like, I don't know, weeks and weeks. And you? I, best finally, ball? No, no. Yeah. I've got it. Uh to the point where I am going to be publishing it next week. So look out for that um, okay. on NBC Sports Edge. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about best ball, but I have some best ball stuff uh, going up. I actually just reran all of my, all of my tiers for all positions. Uh, Cause you know, pretty, pretty big stuff, pretty big news come down in this first week of training camp. And by the time you're listening to this, I assume uh, I will have uh, the first of like a three or four part series, uh, a what if series is trying to find upside scenarios or downside scenarios that uh, aren't going to be captured in the median projection. But if you tweak the numbers, you have to, you have to tweak them. But like you can find a, a really exciting scenario for someone like Clyde Hilaire or like Daniel Jones. I love I love the Giants. So I think that'll be the focus. Of the first one is trying to find, you know, really what's the upside of a, a team for the Giants. They, they could be run like the Bills. They won't be as good as the Bills, but they could at least be run like the Bills were last year. And that's that's upside we got to chase. All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us on this episode. Karain, Kyle, thanks to both of you guys. We'll see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.